Hey everyone, Pastor Ted here, and I want to say to you, happy Resurrection Day. He is risen, and that's what we're going to celebrate today. We're going to celebrate uh, together. The theme of our message today is good news, and I think we can all agree that right now we need some good news. Amen? And the fact of the matter is, you know, you might think that I, I came up with, uh, with the theme good news in response to everything that's been happening in the news. Um, and actually, that's not true. We titled and themed the, the message for this year for Easter all the way back at the end of December. Um, and, uh, you know, good news, it comes from the word gospel, which means good news. And, you know, the gospel is at the heart of the Easter story. Uh, in Romans 1, verse 16, uh, the writer says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And the gospel in a nutshell is this, that God loves you with an unending love, that his love for you caused him to create everything, and he created everything for us, and his desire is to bless us. But listen, we have a problem. And that problem is called sin. Man rebelled against God, and this brought sin, and ultimately it brought death to the entire world. But the good news of the gospel is that God, because he is a good God, because he's a loving God, because he desires that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, God paid the penalty for our sin. Uh, Romans 5.8 tells us this, that God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And guys, that happened on Easter. On Good Friday, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He suffered. He died. He was buried. But on Sunday, Jesus conquered Satan and sin and death when he rose from the grave and so right now, today, although we live in a fallen world that is filled with trials and hardships, we can have hope beyond the grave. We can have hope that goes beyond this world. Speaking of the world in which we live in, Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That phrase, be of good cheer, it literally means to be filled with cheer and to be filled with courage. And listen, it's not a suggestion that Jesus makes, it's a command. Because he commands this because this, this command of being of good cheer and filled with courage, listen, it comes from being anchored in the absolute assurance that Jesus has overcome. So today what I want to do with you is I want to focus on what Jesus overcame. I want to figure I want to focus on how Jesus overcame. Why this is good news for you and for me and how we can be of good cheer because of the gospel message. Now let me begin by setting the scene of the very first Easter Sunday. Matthew's gospel tells us this. It says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested there in the Garden of Gethsemane, it tells us that all of his disciples forsook him 
and they fled. <clears throat> they were in fear for their lives. And understand, this was no idle fear. When they were fearful for their lives, it was for good reason. Because it's impossible to exaggerate just the depth of hatred that the religious leaders had for Jesus and for his followers. Um, and it, it, it was an incredible depth of hatred. And so this is what Jesus's followers are hiding from. They're, they're hiding from this, this, uh, this murderous wrath that these religious leaders have. And so we need to understand that the first Easter Sunday, it was not a festive occasion. There weren't, were not any church gatherings. There were no bands. There were no choirs. It's just a bunch of scattered people on that first Easter Sunday, all locked in their homes. And this, it's been said, may well be, right here in 2020, the closest that the church has come to experiencing what the Christians experienced on the very first Easter, being locked away in our homes, uh, you know, many being fearful and scattered. But church, I've got good news for you today. I have wonderful good news for you today. Listen, there is hope. There's hope and his name is Jesus. Peter, the apostle, he said this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, hope is the thing that sociologists and psychologists tell us is absolutely essential uh, for life. It's essential for health. Uh, it affects survival rates. Hope affects the ability to endure pain and suffering. Hope even factors into our performance in our jobs and in school. Um, hope is correlated with, with higher performance on the job, with higher test scores in school, with higher grade point averages in schools. And, and medically, hope energizes the recuperative process for those who are, are struggling with illness. And it also reduces pain for those who are suffering pain. Circumstantially, hope is that thing that strengthens us to face unimaginable trials. It sustains the prisoner, hope lifts the persecuted, hope breathes life into the broken hearted. Listen, Emily Dickinson said this famously. She said, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Indeed, listen, hundreds of studies confirm what the Bible has said for centuries. The Bible says that the absence of hope makes the heart sick, but that the presence of hope brings life. Guys, we have the presence of hope. And you know, hope means different things to different people. Um, and, and it would be good at this point just to, to talk, stop and to consider your own heart and, and to ask yourself, what is it that brings you hope? What is it that brings you hope? Because people can place their hope in relationships. People can place their hope in jobs. People pay, place their hope in their possessions. They place hope in politicians. People place hope 
in their money. Uh, John Rockefeller, one of the richest men who ever lived, was famously asked at the time when he was the richest man alive, uh, someone asked him, John Rockefeller, you've got all of this money, how much is enough? And he famously responded, just a little bit more. See, his hope seemed to be in his possessions, in his money. And so hope means different things to different people. But you know, one thing that all these examples have in common, listen, every one of them that I've mentioned has an expiration date. Everything that you put your hope in, it has an expiration date, everything that is, except for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no expiration date on our faith and on our hope in a loving God. See, this is what makes the good news of Easter Guys, it's what it makes it so vital, that there is hope for you, there is hope for me. Beyond all the circumstances that we will endure, there is hope for us beyond even the grave. It's a hope that never dies, that has no expiration date. It's not subject to the inevitable end that awaits every single man, woman, and child. Listen, James says this in the Bible, in the book of James, it says, your life, what is it? It's a vapor. You're here for a little while, and then you're gone. And listen, hope is that thing that brings us that, 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 that thing to trust in. And that thing to trust in is not a thing, it's a person. His name is Jesus. And he gives you hope, he gives me hope. Listen, the statistics are overwhelming. 10 out of 10 people are gonna die. The Bible says it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, to face judgment, Hebrews 9.27. There's two things to note in that. Listen, the time of your death, it's appointed. Literally, that word appointed, it means laid away. It means reserved. And that's a reservation that's never going to be canceled. Listen, your time of death is absolutely set in stone. There's nothing that you can do to change it. Jesus said that. Jesus said, which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? The second thing to note about death is that after you die, the, <coughs> after you die, the Bible says that you're going to face judgment. Now, why will we face judgment? Here's the reason. The short answer is sin. Sin is an archery term, and it means literally to miss the mark. And the idea, the implication is that you can miss without really wanting to, right? You think about archery, you know, you take that bow and you take that arrow, and what are you aiming for? You're aiming for the bullseye. But you know, you don't always hit the bullseye. Sometimes you miss. If you're like me, lots of times you miss, you don't hit the bullseye. Well, when you miss, the person who missed the bullseye was called the sinner. You've missed the mark. And the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. This is a death that is both physical and it is a spiritual death. But listen, Romans 8 verse 10 tells us that if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. In other words, there's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for me because we know we're all sinners. All of us have sin. And, and even though the Bible prescribes death for the sinner, there is hope because of a Savior. 
We can't escape our appointment with physical death, but we can escape our, our appointment with spiritual death. And that's what Peter is saying in 1 Peter 1.3. He says that God, because he's a merciful God, has begotten us again to a living hope. In other words, it's a hope that will never die. Now, how do we get this hope? Well, it's, it lies therein in the message that he has begotten us Again, that's what Peter says. That, that phrase, begotten us again, literally what it means is it means born again. And Jesus said this. He put it this way in, uh, in John chapter 3, verse 3. He said this to Nicodemus. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's speaking of spiritual birth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, this can be you today. I want to ask you the question, do you have the hope of life beyond the grave? Do you have the hope that when you die and when you go to face judgment, that you will do so having placed your faith in Jesus and have that hope of eternal life because you can have that hope. Romans chapter 10 verse nine tells us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. Not you might be saved. Not, hey, possibly you could be saved. No, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Guys, that's God's greatest desire for you today. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that God's de God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, on the morning of the crucifixion, Jesus was famously appearing before Pontius Pilate, and he was speaking to Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate, listening to the words of Jesus, heard, it, heard Jesus say this. Jesus said, I have come into the world that I might bear witness to the truth. <clears throat> when Pilate heard that, he responded with the same philosophical question that many wrestle with today. His question to Jesus was, what is truth? Like, who can know truth, right? And that's the way that he posed the question. The way he posed the question, it reveals really what was going on in his heart. Because the word in the Greek and the way that he said it, it, make it makes it clear what Pilate was really saying, what he was really asking Jesus. And what he was saying when he said, what is truth? Here's what he meant. He meant, what is the truth about life? What's the truth about death? What, what's the truth about heaven? What is the truth about hell? In other words, what's the big E on the I chart of life? What's the point? That was the question that was burning in Pilate's heart, in Pilate's mind. And sadly, he didn't hear the answer to that question. Maybe that's the question that's burning in your heart. Maybe that's the question that's burning in your mind. Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? What's the point of everything? Listen, I'll give you the truth. What is the truth? The truth is God desperately desires a relationship with you because he loves you. 
John 3.16 tells us God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The truth is that God has gone to great lengths to save you from Satan, from sin, and from death. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, guys, the truth is, is that today you can receive forgiveness for your sins and you can have a cleansing. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess, it means simply to agree with God. You agree with God that you're a sinner. You agree with God that Jesus is the Savior. You agree with God that Jesus died on the cross for your sin in your place. And you agree with God when he promises you that if you make that confession, that you will be saved. When you make that proclamation, that's an agreeing with God. It's saying, God, I believe that you that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you're the Savior And in that confession, I'm confessing, I need you, Lord. I'm going to give you an invitation to do that today. And the Bible promises if you do that, that you will be saved. And that's the truth. The truth is today, you can have a do-over. You can have a do-over. Listen, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you have done. The Bible promises forgiveness and cleansing of sin and a hope of eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. This is what the Bible says. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And I'm going to give you an invitation today to start over, to be made new with God. At the end of this message, the Apostle Paul told the Colossian church, you were dead because of your transgressions, and because your, because your sinful na- nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.15 tells us Jesus, as he was on the cross, he said this, he, that he died uh, for all, that those Uh, who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and who rose again. Listen, the Bible says that, that God made man in his own image, right? And what this means, God making you in his own image, what it means is that he has given to you and he's given to me a sovereign will. In other words, we have the capacity to choose. And that's, that's really what defines true love. If God made you as a robot to where you had no choice but to love him, but to to be with him forever, that wouldn't be love. So what does God do? He gives to man and to women, he gives us a choice. He gives us a choice. And so you can choose to reject God or you can choose to receive God. And people ask, why does God allow evil in the world? Listen, God, he's he's not the creator of evil. What he has done is he has created a a world where he's given you a choice. Now, many, sadly, they choose to do evil. They choose to rebel against God, but that's not his heart. He wants you to choose to love him. And if you make that choice of your own free will, then that makes your relationship with God a true loving relationship. You know, in Genesis chapter three, we read about 
Adam there. And Adam and Eve given a choice. And they chose to rebel against God. They believed the lie of Satan and they disobeyed God. And the Bible calls this disobedience sin. And so sin being injected into the human race, uh, no different than the coronavirus. It's a, it, it is, you hear this, this disease called sin and, and it is spread to every single person on the planet. And, and so, hey, you know, sin, it's that archery turn, means to miss the mark. The implication is that you can miss without really wanting to miss. But regardless of our intention, the Bible's clear about sin and its consequences. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And, and listen, here's how you know that when the Bible talks about spiritual death, Here's how you know, you know, that it, that it, brings, uh, that it brings death and, and, and that it brings death to every part of our lives because the effects of sin are all around us. This is how you know that the Bible's true. See, the, the sin brings death. It brings, it brings guilt. It brings shame. It brings burdens to our lives. And this is why drugs and alcohol are so prevalent in our society today, because people are just looking to escape the, the guilt that they have that's associated with, with these vices. Some of you, you may be there today, that you're struggling through these things. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The effects of sin are evident in death itself. Not, not just talking about physical death, but I'm talking about spiritual and emotional death. Sin brings death to our relationships. Sin brings death to our occupation. It brings death to our, to, to, to our reputation. Death to peace in our homes. Sin brings death to our marriages. Sin brings death to our families. Some of you are experiencing that today. And listen, ultimately, the effects of sin leave us hopeless and lacking peace. Let me ask you a question today. Do you have peace? Do you have peace today? Because you can have peace. You can have peace with Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we are justified by faith in Jesus, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that in Jesus, we also have access by faith into God's grace and into the hope of that God offers. Church, that's the good news of Easter, that there is hope. Yes, the bad news is that all have sinned and that the wages of sin is death, but listen, the good news is that we have a Father in heaven who loves us and he's gone to great lengths to redeem us. Romans 6.23 tells us that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. A mediator is one who intervenes between two to make or restore peace and friendship. Do you have peace with God today? You can have that peace with God today. Listen, the Bible says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? 
It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even, listen, at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What does it mean that Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God? Here's what it means. It means right now, this second, this moment, it means Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you by name right now. Maybe you've wandered. Maybe you think it's too late. Maybe you think you've done too much, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, hear this, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what do we do with this today, friends? We respond. That's what we do. We respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna give you an invitation to receive salvation. I'm gonna give you an invitation to receive forgiveness. I'm gonna give you an invitation today to have a clean slate with God, to know that when you die, you will go to heaven and you will experience the fullness of joy that you can only find in the Lord. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. As I pray, maybe some of you today, you, you're saved, you have a relationship with the Lord, but maybe the events of the world right now have you overwhelmed, maybe you've wandered, maybe your relationship with the Lord has, has been one that, that as I said, you, you've just wandered, you've drifted. And I wanna give you an invitation as I pray as well. Maybe you wanna recommit your life to the Lord today, you can do that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we come to you right now and Lord, we just pray thanking you so much for what Easter is. It, is. it is the good news of the gospel, that we are sinners by nature and by choice, but God, you are a God of love who so desperately loves us, who so desperately does not want anyone to perish, but all to come everlast to everlasting life. You have made a way that we can be made right with you. Jesus, you came and lived the perfect life. You died a sacrificial death. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I pray for that right now. Lord, I just wanna pray for everybody who's listening to you speak to their hearts right now. And that's what it is. It's not me persuading anybody, it is you through the proclamation of your word, going forth and ministering to hearts and minds. Right this moment, I pray for those that you are drawing unto yourself. And as we're praying right now, I, I trust and I believe that God is speaking to you. Listen, he knows your name. Listen, he loves you. Listen, he wants to save you today. He's inviting you right this moment to surrender your life to him. And if that's you, you can pray this prayer right this moment. You can repent and turn to God. And here's the prayer. The prayer is this. Lord Jesus, I believe that this is true. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins in my place. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you offer to me forgiveness of sins, cleansing from all unrighteousness, and the promise and the hope 
of being made into a new creation and having the hope of heaven. And I ask for that. I cry out for that right now. Lord, I turn to you and pray that as I make this prayer, that you, God, would change me from the inside out. Help me, Lord, to have new desires and help me, Lord, to have new practices and help me, Lord, to be made new. Listen, as I'm extending this invitation and as you're praying this prayer, some of you right now, you might be struggling with doubt. Some of you right now, you might be thinking, look, I know me and the stuff that, that I like to do that I know is bad, I, I, don't, I don't think I can just drop doing those things. I don't think I can really give those things up. And I don't wanna be a hypocrite. I don't wanna be a hypocrite and make a prayer and a profession like this and then go out and, and not follow through. And to you, let me say this, that if you're reluctant to pray a prayer because you're not confident in your ability to change, can I just tell you that that's the definition of religion. And Christianity, it's not religion. It's a relationship. It's you confessing that you are a sinner. It's you confessing that you know those things are bad. It's you confessing that Jesus is the only one who can save you and change you. And then it's also an invitation to God to say, I confess that all of those things are true. And now, Lord, I'm asking you to change me from the inside out, to take these desires away and to give me the strength to follow after you. Listen, that is a confession that God will hear and an invitation that, that God will answer. It's an invitation to be made into a new creation, which is what Christianity is. Christianity isn't a religion of do good and try harder. It's a relationship where you invite Jesus to change you from the inside out. And he will do that work in your heart if you'll cry out to him. And so for those of you who, who are doubting, who are, who are hesitant to make that surrendered relationship profession because you don't want to be a hypocrite, hey, listen, cry out to God. It's not hypocrisy to say, Lord, without you doing this work, I'm powerless to do it. So surrender to him today. Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Help me. Save me. Lord, I pray that you would do that work. And Lord, I just want to pray right now too for those people that they know they're going to heaven. They trust in you. They have a relationship with you, but they've wandered. They've drifted away. Lord, would you minister to their hearts today? Would you draw them to yourself? Cause them to know you, to love you, to serve you, and to be empowered, Lord, in this time of trial and doubt, to hold to the promises that you give in your word. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.